Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever Show. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Jack Bosch. Jack, how you doing? I'm doing excellent. How are you, Ken? I know that's a lie because I know that you're in the middle of a crazy deal that's sort of falling apart. I mean, that's part of being a real estate investor, right? That's part of the deal. I mean, that's like, it's just, there's nothing unusual happening right now. Uh, it's just, it's just, that's how life is. It's all yeah, good. It is. It's part of the deals that you think, you know, you got, you're, you're banking on them and then last minute something, you know, pops up and throws a giant kink and things and welcome to real estate, right? Exactly. That's what happens. That's what we, but we know that's the game. So that's why we're, we're in it. We're enjoying the hustle and bustle and it comes with some huge wins and it comes with some smaller uh, smaller losses. In this case, it won't be a big loss. It would just be the due diligence period right, that yeah. if the deal falls apart, we spend, we spend a while doing due diligence on something that doesn't, doesn't actually end up going through. You know, and that's a good point. Sometimes due diligence, uh, even though you spend a little bit of money, you spend some time, and if the deal doesn't go through, sometimes it's the best money you could ever spend to prevent you from going into a bad deal. So it exactly. is what it is, right. right? That's exactly right, yes. So you are, uh, I'm, you're in Phoenix, is that right? I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been there for 22 years, originally from Germany, came over, uh, been in Phoenix 20 years, or came from Germany 22 and a half, almost 23 years ago now. Wow, Phoenix. And so you're, I know that you're, people know you as the land guy. You've done land deals and owner finance for years. I know a lot of folks know who you are. Uh, is that what you've always done? Has that always been your primary business model? Uh, since I'm in real estate, yes, but before or not, I came here from Germany with, uh, basically to finish my college degree and got a job in a software company, even though I'm not a software guy, but it was the job that got me the visa that got me the green card and that allowed me to be able to stay in this country. So, um, so I worked in that industry for five and a half years and that actually triggered me getting into real estate because I did not like that industry. I did not like what I was doing. I had to stick it with it because of the green card process. Because if you quit your job while you're in the green card process, you basically have to start from scratch. And, uh, or if you don't find anyone that will sponsor that again, within 60 days, you have to leave the country. So, so I was like, no, I'll stick to this job, head down, blinders on, work as hard as I can to get that green card. But in parallel, we look for other things. And about three years in, we found real estate. Took us a couple of years to figure out our land flipping model, but then things started taking off after that. And was that primarily in Phoenix is where kind of all this took place? Um, I was living in Phoenix shortly after coming to the US. I lived two years in Illinois and then moved down to Phoenix and, uh, and loved it here. The weather is just fantastic. And, uh, and we started out here because we didn't know any better. But nowadays we do deals from Florida to Hawaii, um, from Indiana to Texas to, to all over the country. And, and uh, because it's a virtual model that you can literally, this is, my, this is where I do land deals from. Mm -hmm. so. so give people just a little bit of a, just sort of the 30,000 foot view of kind of what you're known for, what your primary model is. Okay, so our primary model is land flipping is like house flipping just without the houses. So everything that we see you do on TV here and uh, <laughs> all the different, uh, different construction things, that's all gone. All the kind of like walkthroughs, the thing is gone. So we're doing wholesaling and seller financing of land pieces 
in the ten to hundred thousand dollar range. That's our sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's above that, um, and but uh, but this is our sweet spot because we found that there's a ton of people that have owned land for 20, 30 years that don't no longer want it. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to sell it. And they're willing to let these properties go for literally five to 25 cents on a dollar. So we're buying these properties, not with five or 25% discounts. We're buying them at five to 25 cents on a dollar. And then we turn around to either do wholesaling. So we do uh, assignments, wholesaling, double closings, all this kind of sweet stuff that the house flippers also do. Or we love, 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 love selling these properties with seller financing because on the seller financing, what we do is we, let's say we pay a $40,000 property and then we buy for, uh, for that we put on a contract for $5,000. We go turn around, sell it, let's say for 35 grand with a $6,000 down payment. So the down payment is more than what we paid for the property. And now we get 500 bucks a month for the next 10 years and it's pure profit. And we yeah. collect a total of like 70 grand on that deal. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> to cover your purchase price with their down payment and then it's an infinite ROI after that. Exactly. So that's our model. We do about, we personally do 80% of our deals like that. When we started, we did almost all cash because we needed cash. And then over time, because you can triple, quadruple your profits if you do sell a financing. Because instead of buying something, that same property that's worth 40 that we put on a contract for five, we could have sold that thing for 20 would have made after closing costs $14,000. But by selling it for 35 with a down payment and taking like a $28,000 loan, if you include interest and everything, you end up collecting $40,000, $50,000 on that deal and versus 15 on the other one or 14 on the other one. So you, you make like more than three times your money by doing that. And the nice part is there's no tenants, toilets, termites, there's no inspectors, there's no mold, there's no repairs, there's no surprises, there's no rehabs. So it's really a simplification and the best benefit is actually there's almost no competition because almost everyone, and we're together in a, in a mastermind that we belong to, there's 150 people in there, there's one land flipper and that's us. Which is crazy because every time we have this conversation, I'm always scratching my head like, why am I not flipping land? I, I can't figure out why I'm not doing this. It's like, we're so like brainwashed into only flipping houses that we can't break out for some reason. I don't know why. Right. And the thing is that the process is similar, but different. So for example, we never talk to sellers. Sellers are a dime a dozen. Like we never, and I know in the house flipping area, finding the seller is the hardest part, yeah. right? And our side, finding a seller is the easiest part. Like our a direct mail piece that we send out gets anywhere from four to 15% response rates, Damn. like off the charts response rates. Wow. And even like the, the direct mail housing, the, the direct mail companies we use, they call us afterwards and they're like, are you sure that, that this is like, what, what are you guys doing? Because based on the statistics we're seeing on their tracking, you guys are getting a humongous response rate. And, and, and yes, we are. And, and, uh, but then on the selling side, it's more like a, B2, uh, a B2C. So we're selling to individual customers. Uh, and that's also simple. It's just a different process. So most of the house flippers, they're so brainwashed into one way yeah. that our way is just slightly different there it's just it's different but those who start out and say like yeah we have lots of, of house flippers that have abandoned house flipping just to land flipping they do 100 deals a year and then make a ton of money it's like on the house flipping side so much of our time and energy is to find a good deal you find that seller that's willing to for you it's almost like your time and energy is how do you find that right owner finance buyer because that's kind of the, right. that's the gold right. for you is finding that buyer right you're putting it out there and they play with it you play with the terms you play with the down payment you play with the price uh, you build a buyer's list and it's all the classic kind of things, but it's, 
it's uh, and then you sell those properties in anywhere between a couple of days and probably a couple of months. Sometimes it takes a little longer. But you uh, know, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I am curious. Do you run into Dodd Frank on the seller finance side for land, or no, does it not fall under? We don't, because Dodd Frank, to my knowledge and my attorney's knowledge, who I asked about that, uh, is limited to dwellings. Okay. And dwellings is uh, based on, I think, Regulation Z is one to four residential units. Well, on land, there's none of that. So we don't deal with, uh, with, uh, with Dodd-Frank. The, the only possibility that we might be dealing with Dodd-Frank would be if we go and uh, have somebody that explicitly said he wants to build on it, in which case, while, while he's paying off the monthly payments. So in which case, we have a document that we give him that says, while you make monthly payments, you cannot build on it. Okay. Okay. And that covers us. If he still does it, it's his re it's his responsibility. Right. But uh, but usually, if they build it, we get cash out anyway because the lender comes in. Right. The lender then cashes out our note out. Yeah. How often are you selling these notes too that you're creating? Or do you oh, we never sell them. them. We love them. You keep them. Right. Cash In 2007, when the market crashed, we had over seventy thousand dollars a month coming into our bank account from these notes, free, clear, pure, infinite return money. And we just went buying. We went on a shopping spree. We bought almost 50 rental houses in that time period, free and clear, that we still own, that now have gone up four times in value, and they bring in six figures in income. And, and the land is our cash machine that allows us to fund additional deals, uh, uh, additional deals and additional um, assets that will spit out cash for the rest of our lives. Crazy, crazy. What an interesting model. I love talking to you because again, you're the only person I know that's really in this space and you've been so successful at it. Now, having done so many deals over the last several years, let's talk about your best deal ever. All right. So I have to think about that because the best deal ever, because we focus on the 10 to $100,000 range, I don't have a $500,000 deal to report. Now we yeah. teach this now. We have students that have bought properties uh, for $115,000 and sold them for $400,000. But but I think the best deal is a deal that we've done that I bought a property, an acre, with, on a hill with views, like literally 50-mile views, um, absolutely gorgeous property. We bought that for $1,850, and we sold it for $86,000 uh, just two weeks later. That's my favorite deal that I talk about. Holy cow. All right, so let's, let's get into the nuts and bolts of this. How did you source this one-acre deal for only $1,850? Well, in our, in, our, in our standard way, we use direct mail. We go to landowners that own property between a ten, worth between $10,000 and $100,000 in certain areas uh, with a couple of criteria. We like people that live out of state and all kind of like those typical things. Uh, we sent him our letter, our proven letter, and he responded. And the situation was such that he, he knew of the value of the property. The value literally during the escrow process, during the closing process, had been reassessed from I think $10,000 to $60,000. And he knew that the property was $60,000. All he did, he folded the assessed value notice and folded it up, sent it in an envelope and said, next time I'm in town, you owe me dinner. So, <laughs> so the thing is, he wasn't upset. Yeah. He was just wanting to get rid of the property. And the story is often, there's a psychological aspect to it. Yeah. Like we bought properties from, from a divorced couple where she got the property, but he had brought it into the wedding. And, uh, and so they were so disgruntled that she rather saw that property go to us for 300 bucks than him, than, 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 than just to, to, to beep him off, right? Just right. To, right. Uh, to, to make him upset. So in this case, it was a different situation. This guy loved that property, but he went, he lived in California. His property was in Arizona. And he drove from that year, a few years 
prior, he drove to that property from California with his mom, and somewhere hundreds of miles away from that property, his mom got a heart attack. So he rushed her to a hospital. She survived for like probably another half a year, a year, and then she passed away. So in his mind, this property is now anchored in with the loss of his mom. Wow. Right? And because of that, he just doesn't want to deal with it anymore. He doesn't want to get the tax bill anymore. He doesn't want to even think about it. So he got our, our, our offer for $1,875. And he's just like, yeah, you can have it. I don't want it. Uh, have fun with it. Wow. Um, so we went out there. In this case, we actually did drive up there because it's in a beautiful town in northern Arizona called Prescott, Arizona, which is a, one of the top 50 retirement places in the country. It's beautiful, says five, 6,000 feet elevation. Uh, cool and uh, nice in winter, cool in summer, and um, and it sits on a set of boulders right on top in this million million dollar home area, and um, and we we took some pictures and so on, and and we uh, and it had one issue, and the issue is that uh, on the bottom it had uh, it had it, it had lacked road access, but on the on the top it had road access around kind of like a cliff, but you needed some kind of you needed to clarify the easement. So there was a little bit something, because once that is cleared up, this property probably would be worth $300,000. So somebody, so, so we didn't go to the effort of clearing this up. Yeah. We didn't go to the effort, we'd never do. We just buy it, we figure out, okay, based on this, it's probably worth about 100 grand or so, and, and, um, and with the reassessment and so on. But because of the couple of issues that we had seen, we only offered him $1,800, and he, 1875, and he, and he accepted it, or 1850, and he accepted it. And then we turned around and we just, um, we put it out for sale. Now, back in those days, we actually did, we did big, large, large land auctions. So we would buy 250 properties per quarter and basically something like 80 properties a month. And we would go put one big larger land auction up a quarter and we would, uh, would do radio, television, newspaper advertising, online advertising. We'd fill up a big convention center with like a convention room, like 15, 20,000 square feet with 800 people bidders, uh, auctioneers, bid assistants, and things like that. And we would sell 250 properties in one day. And oh it's in gosh. that concept that, it, that a property sold, a bidding war started out, and one guy paid $86,000 for it. Holy cow, I did not realize you guys did land auctions like that. Is that- oh, we, now, did, we did all kinds of stuff. That's super creative. Now, was that because it was the downturn and people were looking for deals, or is that something you could still do in this market? Oh, we can do it again right now. We actually, I'm actually having a phone call today with a local auction house where I'm going to give him like 10, 15 of our properties to just go sell them because I'm monitoring them and the time is ripe again to get these, get these properties at, at very high prices. This one was one of our earlier deals, like 2006 or so. But um, there's also a deal that we have done just this year that we bought a property for a multifamily zone, small a lot for like a fourplex. We bought it for $5,000 and sold it for $64,000 with a $6,500 down payment and $463 a month in, in payment. So that's going to make us $111,000 over the next 20 years, that property. But I wanted to show that other one because there's a little bit more meat to it and more drama in it and more, more issues with it. Sure. So... So 1850 bucks. You, did you realize at the time how much it was worth and still only offered 1850? I mean, is there ever a party that's like, crap, I'd pay 15,000 or 20,000 for this? Yes, we, 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 we did think it was worth a little lower. We probably thought it was worth perhaps 40 or so because of some of the access issues it had. Uh, but we knew that if somebody goes to the effort and fixes the access issues, you have a two or $300,000 property at hand. Yeah. So we, we, we dreaded carefully because we didn't know what we 
will get in the market. And that's always like when we always want that you, you, your profit is made when you buy, right? So we buy at five to 25 cents on a dollar. So we're like, let's be careful on this deal. Let's go to the bottom end of like literally like five, 6% of market value over thirty, $40,000 value. And then once the reassessment came in, literally during escrow, your assessment came into 60. And in Arizona, the county assessed value is usually about two thirds of market value. Yep. So we're like, okay, that means it really should be worth about 90 or perhaps even 100. So we got a great deal here. So yeah, well, and part of his motivation too, if the assessment went up, his taxes went up. So there's part of him like, I don't want to keep paying right. taxes on this. Exactly. His assessment went, his taxes went from a hundred bucks to probably more like a thousand bucks or something like that uh, yeah. a year. So he, he didn't like that either. He wanted to get rid of that. So. He just wanted to be done. So th when you sold this at land auction, I guess selling at the auction, you weren't doing any sort of owner financing. It was just a straight purchase. Um, in that case, it was actually, it was a seller financing, but they put $17,000 down and then they made monthly payment. And the story gets even better. They made payments for about two years and then they stopped making payments. Oh no. So we then foreclosed on the property. And we actually took it back in, but we made about $25,000 net. And then we just resold it and uh, for a similar amount. And this guy has been paying ever since. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. So we really made more than that. We really made more like a hundred and we already made like, uh, once, once it's all paid off, we'll be making about 130 on that deal. So come on. And is that, now is that, is that common on these owner finance deals for them to uh, stop making payments and you have to foreclose? No, it's not. As a matter of fact, under normal market conditions, uh, if you ask for enough as a down payment and enough on these deals, if it's a $20,000 deal, you don't have to ask for more than $2,000 down. Okay. So like, but as soon as you're like in the $1,000, $2,000 range, people don't let that money go away. They'll, they'll rather pay, keep paying. So in a normal, in a normal circumstances, you have about a three to 5% foreclosure rate. Okay. Uh, which is not worse than banks, by the way. No, it's about the same, and, yeah. And in the, in the big meltdown in 2008, 9, 10, we had about a 15 to maximum 20% uh, default rate. But what we did back then is we actually went and we, we offered re, uh, a loan, re, re, uh, loan modifications. Oh, wow. Because, I mean, you can do a loan mod, right? We're the lender. Right, you do whatever you want. We can do it without as long as it's legal, right? So we went, we went proactively to everyone that was late and said like, hey, listen, guys, is it that you don't want the property anymore or is it that you can't make the payment anymore? And most of them said, no, I love the property. They just put in like five, 10 grand as a down payment or so, paid for several years. They're like, no, it's just I lost my job. I can't, I can't make the $500 month payment anymore. It's like, okay, how much can you afford? It's like, well, 250. It's like, okay, great. So we lowered the interest rate. We extended the loan. Uh, we perhaps even forgave some of the loan balance just because if we were better off, let's say if they still owe us $40,000, but the market value is now 25, we're better off giving them a $10,000 for forgive $10,000 of the loan balance and then have them still pay us $30,000 off, then take that thing back and then sell it at 20 again. Yeah. 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 Right? So we're, we're better off that way. And, uh, and that's what we ended up doing. Yeah, you're thinking like a bank. It's the same reason banks do short sales. They don't want to be in the house owning business. They exactly, and that's the lending business. And, and the bank were in the in the world, and, the, and this entire world was right in front of us because banks were doing short sales all over the place. Everyone was was losing money. We were still making money, and we're still flipping land. But we're like, well, we prefer collecting a little less over more time than um, than than losing the loan. So we just re, uh, refied a lot of these uh, loans and did loan modifications. And, and that way we, we kept them going and, and kept them going for years.
Brilliant. Brilliant, man. So this particular deal, bought it for $18.50, sold it for $86,000, got $17,000 down, and for two years he made payments, ended up foreclosing, and then doing the same thing. He had selling it for about the same amount, $86,000? Yeah, paying for about $850 a month, so it's about $10,000 a year. So he paid an extra twenty grand in payments, Yep. They foreclosed it, and then we sold it again for a similar amount. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you still have that one? Is that one you're still collecting on? We're still collecting on that one. Yes. All these years later. Yeah. What a deal, man. That's crazy. All right. So you've done a lot of these. Is there anything about this particular deal that changed your thinking or that caused you to do anything different in your business? Or let me ask you another question. The only, there's thing, a lot of the only thing I want to uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. The only thing that I want, I, I'm hoping on that deal is that the next guy defaults too, because I really want to keep that property and build a house on there. Because oh, now you like want the hour, property. It's an hour and 20 minutes away from my, from an hour and a half from where I live. It's in this beautiful little town. It's in this gorgeous lot with views all the way to, to Northern, like to, to some other mountain range. So it's absolutely gorgeous. So I'm kind of like hoping, man, why did we sell it the second time? We should have just kept it. But that's, but that's. <laughs> That's I wonder if he, did he fix the access issues? I wonder if he ever fixed I, I don't know right now. He's just making the payments. We're not really not having yeah. any communication. Ah, too funny. So what did you learn through this process? Anything specific to this deal that, you know, that caused you to do anything different in your business? Um, to that deal, it caused us doing different. No, the only thing, um, once we started really seeing the power of seller financing and once our, we had, we had put ourselves out of a position in a position that we didn't need to pay off a bunch of stuff that we're basically debt free, the house debt free, the car debt free, uh, credit cards paid and student loans debt and paid and things like that. We started shifting to doing more and more seller financing loans because they provide a beautiful five to 15 year stability uh, that if something dramatic happens in your life, you can literally just take a year off and take care of loved ones and so on. Not that we had to, but because of that, we take off three months in the summer and go travel with the family because we know we have the cash flow coming in from all these different cash flow sources, including um, the, the, land, the land payments. Well, and what's so amazing about the way you've structured your cash flow, which is different than like most rentals, is the fact that you're getting a down payment that typically covers your purchase price. And so right. all of that cash flow is an infinite return for you. Exactly. And not every deal is like that. But, uh, but quite a few deals are like that. Yeah. So sometimes I'm okay usually saying that I want to get my money back in a matter of uh, 12 to 24 months. So if I have 100% return off my investment in 24 months, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But, uh, and, 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 and that's fine. So if, if I pay 10 grand for a deal and they only give me five, $5,000 down, but do $500 a month, then in 10 months I have my money back. I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think most, most people would be okay with that. It still sounds pretty phenomenal if you ask me. Yeah. Jack, I love it, man. Every time we talk to you, I get inspired to get into the land, into the land flipping business and selling business. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Hey, friends, let's talk for just a minute about the market we're in right now. It's tough, right? Deals are hard to come by. The last thing you need is trouble funding a deal once you've done the hard work to source it. Trust me, I get it. I've been at this for 16 years and financing deals is often a huge pain in the rear. So I decided to solve the problem. I launched Red Capital Lending for real estate investors like me and probably like you. The days of paying 12% interest are over. And if it's taking more than a week for your lender to close, you're using the wrong lender. 
we've built Red Capital Lending for the sole purpose of providing the lowest cost of investment capital possible. I'm talking about interest rates in the sevens. With the highest level of customer service and with the fastest turnarounds, our goal is to provide funding within five days. If you've got a deal coming up and you're ready to save money and avoid the typical hassles associated with most lenders, take a minute and just submit your deal at redcapitallending.com. We'd love to work with you and show you just how easy it can be to fund your next project. Again, redcapitallending.com. Okay, so let's get back to the show, except in this segment, we're gonna talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. Okay, I'm with my good friend, Jack Bosch out of Phoenix, Arizona. The, a lot of you guys know him as the land guy. Jack, is there a deal that stands out as like your worst deal ever? So the nice part is when you buy for five to 25 cents on a dollar, you don't really lose money very often at all. But there is a case where we lost money on five properties that because we ended up basically believing our own press releases, as they say, we started thinking we're better than we really are. And in essence, what happened is we bought, uh, we, we looked at some properties in an area where we only paid a thousand dollars per property per, per piece of per, per lot. Wow. So, and um, so it wasn't, wasn't a big deal. Actually, no, we paid like $2,000, sorry, $2,000 for, and we lost a thousand dollars per deal. But the fact, what happened is we looked on the aerial picture, uh -huh. right? Because for the last 14 years, we haven't looked at any single property anymore in person because there's no reason to go out there in person, right? So uh, Google Maps, Google Earth, and we looked at it and we saw, we saw houses everywhere and we saw a whole bunch of empty lots in between. But there's a house, four empty lots, another house, and house, an empty lot, another house. We're like, great, these properties are buildable. Let's move forward. <laughs> well, the issue is they were not buildable because between the time those houses were built and the time that we bought them, the, and we actually paid for them and bought them, the county had changed the zoning that you needed instead of a quarter lot, a quarter acre, you needed half an acre to build there. Oh, wow. So all these houses that were built, they were on quarter acre lots, and all the lots we picked up were quarter acre lots, but now we bought unbuildable lots. Oh, wow. So there's only two ways to fix that. One is to keep buying and buy the next one next door so right. that you have half an acre, have them be combined and then sell them, which is a lot of effort. Or the other one is if you buy one next to our house, go sell it to the neighbor. Yep. So what we ended up doing is we sold some to the neighbor, but we ended up with five of them that we just stuck with. So we put them out there and we sold them for $999. And it's just somebody pick them up, do whatever you want with them. People bought them and we lost a thousand dollars a piece. So we lost five grand. It's really not that much. But what it taught us, if it was a little jolt, it was like, because up to that time we had done over like 2,500 deals and we, we've done now 4,000, but by that time 2,500 deals and, and we had never lost money on a deal. So it was like the first deal that we lost money on. We were like, okay, lesson learned. Got to do the due diligence. You can't just rely on an area picture. You got to call the county. You got to figure out. You got to. We got to do those steps that that we have in our program that we have, that we know to follow this checklist. You got to check, check follow them without any exception. Can't rely on just an aerial picture. Yeah. Holy cow. So you did you buy a whole bunch of lots that where you did make money of it, and there were only five in the neighborhood that just you were stuck with. Uh, yeah, in that neighborhood, there was like, there's two neighborhoods next to each other. Those were the quarter acre ones that came out in addition. And over here were half an acre ones. And we had just earlier bought some half an acre ones and sold them without problems. Yeah. So we were like, let's go back, buy some more. Oh, they're a quarter acre. Well, so what? We just offer less, right? But we didn't go to the effort to see like, is there a difference in buildability between the half an acre and the quarter acre lots? It didn't look like it from the screenshot or from the, from the Google 
uh, earth picture from the county GIS information systems uh, picture. It didn't look like it because there were houses everywhere, but they had changed the rules. So now you can't build there anymore. I would, man, for a thousand bucks, surely the neighbor would be like, yes, I'll give you a thousand dollars for the quarter acre next to me. Oh, yeah. If you take it on average, we made money. Yeah. Right? We take it all on average. We sold to the neighbor for like five grand and we just got rid of those because you can't really do much when the neighbor knows you can't do really much with it. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, I'd take it for five grand and they just bought it. And so we, we, if you net, net, net it out in that neighborhood, that transaction where we went in and bought 10 properties, yeah. we ended up having a net zero pretty much. But, um, gotcha. but if you look at the property by property, we lost money and that kind of irked us a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. but other than that, we haven't lost a whole lot, uh, uh, I, I can't think of many properties at all that we lost money. Well, when you're like, it's like you said, when you're buying them for 20 cents on the dollar, it's pretty it, hard it, to lose money. You have to just really miss something glaringly obvious. Exactly right. Exactly right. And that's, that's the key. Now that's different from houses, right? I mean, in houses, that's what we talked about earlier. The, like we're buying a big apartment complex and it turns out it has an environmental issue. So I guess we're not potentially not buying it anymore. So <laughs> That's a completely different ball game, but we're still using the cash we make over here in the land and, and move it over there so that we have generational wealth. Smart, smart. Well, and it's the thing, the difference between land, especially the, at the, the, the sizes that you're buying is the consequences are a heck of a lot smaller than when you're buying a house. You right. buy the wrong house for a couple hundred thousand bucks and you lose, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. That hurts a lot more than when you buy a thousand for a lot and you you know, 2000 for a lot. Exactly. You pay 2000 for a lot and you sell it for a thousand. That's like in a great scape of things, scope of things, it's nothing. It's nothing. But, but unfortunately I can't give you any more worse deals because those that's are the ones. That that's we, a good model. It just goes to show you, man, you're in the right business and why I need to take a harder look at flipping land. That's the bottom line. Yeah, they're great. I mean, right now, if you can get land, hands on infill lots, they're being, you can sell them okay. the moment you have them, you, you, you get them on a contract. It's yeah. The market is crazy. Totally. Jack, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your, quasi worst deal ever. I wouldn't call it that bad, but I, <laughs> I appreciate you sharing with us. Uh, thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the best deal ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.